In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text is 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 14, the epistle for this Sunday. I call your attention to the words of our text, the epistle. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, which I was appointed to a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, and is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is our text. Elizabeth remembered her late grandfather. As a child, she did not like him. He smelled funny. He was scratchy when she had to kiss him. She avoided him after the obligatory greetings. Such were her childhood memories. She had a different view of him and their relationship when she completed high school and wanted to study medicine to become a doctor. Only then did she realize the grandfather had left her a generous college tuition endowment. She now saw their relationship in a different light when she realized that her grandfather had had a plan for her benefit long before she could understand or appreciate it. In a similar way, Paul speaks to Timothy of God's plan for his people. A plan for our salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's plan, his grace, was made before time began. He speaks of this to Timothy. He says, which he gave us in Christ Jesus... 
before the ages began. As a parent recognizes a child's needs long before the child does, so God recognized our need and provided for us. And since God made this before we had done anything good or bad, Paul writes, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Now children imagine that they can manipulate their parents. And sometimes they are indulged. Sometimes we do silly things because our children ask us, beg us. But a loving parent, a wise parent is always in control. You might let your child beep the horn on the car, but never let him drive. Not till he's had those lessons. Similarly, our Heavenly Father is always in control, working His plan, which for us is good. So we should never blame ourselves for such things that are out of our control. Even if we have wished them, even if we have prayed for them, we might repent for sinful desires. But if we have, as someone once told me, wished someone dead and then that person died, we should know that was part of God's plan, though our sin was obvious. Now God's plan, His grace is manifest in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks in our text, which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. The appearing of our Lord is what we celebrate at Christmas. The fulfillment of His work, what we celebrate at Holy Week and Easter. Paul says, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. It's by his death and resurrection, two sides of the same coin, that our Lord Jesus accomplished these things. For by death, his own death, he took all that death could give. He swallowed up death and manifested in the victory of his resurrection. And so he brought immortality to light. This we proclaim through the gospel. The gospel is God's power to salvation. It connects us to the events. By the word of God, Christ is made manifest to you and to me. His death convicts us of our sin. His resurrection gives hope to us that transcends this mortal existence. The Word of God is living and active. That's why Paul says in Romans, the gospel is God's power to salvation to those who believe. And notice how the power of God is manifest in Paul's life and in this text. 
but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So often we want the power of God manifest in our lives to make things easy, to make things convenient, to make us feel powerful. And yet, the dominant theme in the New Testament is that the power of God is manifest in the cross. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and the cross that you and I may have to bear. Now God's plan, His grace, is continued through us by His Holy Spirit. St. Paul speaks of this in our text. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The laying on of my hands. Like baptism, a washing with water, the laying on of hands was a rite or gesture with meaning for the Jewish community. Moses laid his hands on Joshua that Joshua might receive the spirit that dwelt in Moses, a spirit for God's blessing and leadership, the Holy Spirit. So the meaning of the laying on of hands is that the spirit in me is given to you. Now some Christians regard this laying on of hands superstitiously or legalistically. And they say you can't have confirmation without the laying on of hands. That ordination turns on the laying on of hands. That's why these are regarded as sacraments in some Christian communities. We do not see these as sacraments for they do not have the Lord's command. We Lutherans regard the, the laying on of hands as an apostolic custom rather than the Lord's command, rather than a dominical command. Let's not miss the Holy Spirit because we can't see past the human hand. But it is through the community of God through the word which is spoken, through leaders endowed with the Spirit such as St. Paul, that the Spirit is manifest among us in the community through its rites, its prayers, through its gestures and worship. And that's the bigger picture that Paul calls our attention to. Not magical rites that manipulate the power of God. But the power of God manifest in the community of Christ, which reflects this in its worship, its customs, and its practices. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You will recognize the community of God by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. The Spirit is manifest not by confusion, not by ecstasies, not by people shouting. Though I'm guilty of that sometimes. But fear of God, the power of God, the love of God, the self-control that the prophet exercises. And notice it's a willingness to suffer patiently while doing the right thing. 
Now that you know that the Spirit is manifest in such patient suffering while doing the right thing, reflect in your Christian life how many saints were among us, unseen and uncelebrated, while they quietly served. Saints like Lois and Eunice, whose lives were not outstanding in any sense except that they manifest in their domestic life a faith in the promises of God's word in the Old Testament, a faith that was manifest in their son, Timothy. And God's plan, his grace is manifest in us by the pattern of sound words, the gospel teaching. Paul speaks of this in our text as the testimony about our Lord and of me, his prisoner. These are the very truths explained for us in the Gospels and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. The testimony about our Lord Jesus Christ of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the testimony of his prisoner, St. Paul, in the latter half of the Acts of the Apostles. That's why these books are so precious. The memoirs of the apostles, their testimony concerning Jesus Christ and who he is, what he has done. And Paul speaks of his confidence that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul speaks of a tradition, a deposit, a pattern of sound words, a testimony concerning our Lord Jesus Christ which has been entrusted to him and which he takes pains to hand on to Timothy. And as we saw last week in that text, he tells Timothy to make provision to hand it on to another generation. For Paul writes, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us will guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That deposit or tradition is the faith once commended to the saints in the words of St. Jude in his epistle. We have that faith as long as we remain in the apostles' teaching, their pattern of sound words. And the Holy Spirit is manifest in the church that remains in that teaching. Never separate the church, the people of God, from the word, the apostolic teaching of the gospel. For the Spirit is present in them to manifest God's power for faith in us. May you preserve the sound pattern of words in your life, in your prayer. And may it live on in your children. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep your hearts and minds to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.